Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. We've published some great episodes in the month of December, including a rewatchables with Quentin Tarantino on Dunkirk. Sean Fennessy sat down with Greta Gerwig to talk about her new film, Little Women, on the big picture. And Adam Sandler and Kevin Garnett appeared on the Bill Simmons podcast to talk about their newest film, Uncut Gems. Happy New Year from The Ringer. Football podcast on the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network, and welcome to 2020. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I'm joined as always by my co host and my co Danny, the hero we need, the analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight himself, Danny <laughs> Kelly. DK, welcome to the playoffs. How are you doing, DK? I'm doing excellent, and it made me very happy to hear you say 2020. I've been trying for the basically the last decade to get people to stop saying 2000 and Two and 2003 for like the years just think it's stupid i like 2020 i like going with like the 1900 style uh you know whatever format so i'm really happy about that that's huge for me yeah on new year's they, they just had like this super cut of like barbara walters just being like 2020 2020 2020 this is 2020 like <laughs> like 25 times in a row and it was obnoxious but then i was actually really like impressed that they leaned all the way into the bit are they gonna is anybody gonna say 20 or 2020? Like no, I will because I know it annoys you. 2020. <laughs> I'm sure that. Craig, how's your 2020 going? Not bad so far. 2020, the year of perfect vision. We're going to have a perfect playoffs on daily. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited as well. We're going to run through a bunch of players we like in their matchups this week. We're going to run through our FanDuel lineup of the week at the end. But first, can we just say 2020 a bunch more times? To... <laughs> no. First, we're going to run through some categories of some DFS players we like. Some matchups we like. Obviously, there's only four games this weekend. Wild card weekend. We got Texans, Bills. We got Patriots, Titans. We got Vikings, Saints, Eagles, Seahawks. Bad weather, Russell Wilson. Yeah. That's a real thing. Unlike cold weather, Lamar Jackson. That is fake. Windy Russell Wilson. That is real. Uh, all right. Half PPR as always. DK, shall we dive in? Yeah, let's do it. My first guy for the go big section is Michael Thomas of the Saints, 8,900, going up against a very bad Vikings pass defense in, in this season. Obviously, um, yeah, Xavier Rhodes just hasn't been good this season. You know, they just have been underperforming in that area. We came in thinking they would have a really, really good secondary. It just hasn't been the case. Yeah, they, I mean, Rhodes was their number one cornerback, one of the best cornerbacks in all football. This year, it's been the worst year of his career. And was arguing with Mike Zimmer on Monday Night Football a couple nights ago. And now he's mm. like a part-time player, kind of benched, and was bad when he was playing. And now he's not even playing that much. <laughs> yeah. It's just a strange, like, kind of scenario. But so, Thomas, he has been limited by hand injury this week. So that's kind of something to monitor. But there's no indication so far that's going to keep him out. We are recording on Thursday afternoon. So it looks like he's trending in the right direction. Uh, the Vikings this season, like I said, 26th against opposing receivers per fan duel scoring. Um, Thomas coming off a bit of a down week against Carolina and what was basically a, just a, a nothing game. He had five, four catches, 37 yards, 5.7. Well, crucial because he finished with 149 receptions, which you know that he feels like it's like the Jordan Belfort thing where it's like, I made $49 million, which really pissed me off because I was one <laughs> shot like a, a million a week. And it's that like round number. Yeah, Michael Thomas getting to 149 instead of 150 will probably eat at him the rest of his life. 
<laughs> like everyone else is like, congrats. Yeah. And he's like pissed. But I mean, I, like we've talked about him all season. He is an absolute volume hog in that offense. Going back to week 16, 17 targets, 12 catches, 136 yards and a touchdown. Week 15, 12 targets, 12 catches, 128 yards a touchdown. Week 14, 15 targets, 11 catches, 134 and one. So he's just absolutely the focal point of this pass offense. I think that's going to get back to how that is. or I think he's going to get back to being that uh, next week, this week against Vikings. Obviously, again, you know, to last week was a bit of an aberration just based on the fact that it was sort of a meaningless game. It was a complete blowout over Carolina. But um, I think it gets back to him being the absolute focal point of that passing offense. So I think he's a good bet to, number one, have a high floor, but also have a high ceiling. I wholly endorse this. The Vikings have had trouble defending opposing number one receivers like all year. Like Cortland Sutton had a big game against them, Amari Cooper, Tyreek Hill. Like just number one receivers have done really well because the Vikings have no cornerback depth. Rhodes has been awful. Um, Trey Waynes, like Mackenzie Alexander, like those guys are just not really capable of defending someone of Michael Thomas's caliber. And then they're not really going to be able to help those guys as much because um, Eric Kendricks, who's their inside linebacker, their middle linebacker is dealing with an ankle injury. He, even if he plays, he hasn't practiced uh, since week 16 when he heard it against the Packers. He's the number one graded linebacker on pro football focus. So whether he's playing in, injured or he's just out like they're not going to be able to devote as much as they usually would because they're not going to have the middle of the defense I mean they were bad with Kendricks in the lineup with their cornerbacks so it's going to be worse with Kendricks out and the way the Saints do their offense with those intermediate and short passes to Michael Thomas like whether it's those option routes where he can kind of break it in either direction and they kind of mutate it during the game to see what defenses are doing which is why they're so hard to stop and then Kamara and Jared Cook having those option routes and then also just Thomas on the slant like it's really bad for those cornerbacks when Mike, when Eric, not Michael Kendricks, different guy. Eric Kendricks is out. So, yeah, I mean, I just like him a lot. I think Thomas separated himself as like, if not the best receiver in the NFL, like one of them for sure, and it's one of the top three for sure. So, um, I'm riding with him this week for sure. Craig, who are you going big on? I'm going big on Kamara, sticking with the Saints. He's the second most expensive running back behind Derrick Henry. In the past three games, Kamara's averaged five point six yards a carry, four touchdowns, thirteen catches. Um, it's he's kind of been a different player since he's recovered from that that ankle injury that kind of plagued him the whole start of the year. Um, last year in the playoffs, Saints played two games. Kamara averaged twenty point five touches, including an eleven catch day against the Rams in the NFC Championship. I like Kamara because I just want to rely on players who kind of earn the trust of their quarterbacks, which he has with Breeze. They're, he's kind of game script proof. Like if they're getting killed or if they're blowing somebody out, he's going to get the ball no matter what. And if Minnesota shells out to do everything possible to slow down Michael Thomas, this could end up kind of being the Alvin Kamara game. And I just like that he's healthy. It gets kind of all rounding into form. He's kind of getting hot at the right time for Kamara. All right, enough numbers. Let's get down to brass tacks. Do the Saints, like, destroy the Vikings because they are so upset about losing the Minneapolis Miracle game two years ago? It's definitely Or do you think this is close and the Vikings are being (laughs) underrated in this game? The spread is eight, and I wonder if it's, like, two points higher because of the revenge. Zimmer's pissed. Zimmer cited the spread. Oh, Coach did he? Mike Zimmer was like, we are seven point under. Disrespect. I think it's eight now. It is eight now. Yeah, yeah. Dick, do you think this game's close or not? <sighs> That's so tough, man, because this everything is close in the playoffs, it seems like. But the Saints are just playing so well right now. And I can't really say the same about the Vikings, you know? And I think a couple of weeks ago, I would have been much more confident in the Vikings. But this week, I just, I'm kind of just riding that Saints wave. They just look really, really strong. And they're getting stronger as they go along. And the Camara pick, I think, is great, too, just because he's finally starting to look like the Camara of old. You know, slippery, explosive. He just he was not that guy for a pretty big chunk of the season as he was 
what was it, knee and ankle injuries, or at least an ankle injury. And so, yeah, I just think they're back to kind of who they are, and then they've got all those trick plays that they can do. And I just, I, I'm very confident in the Saints right now. Yeah, spoiler alert, we don't have any Vikings in our daily lineup this week, but we should use this as a, a an opportunity to talk about Minnesota's offense you, a little you bit. You beat me to it. I, well, I Kirk, Kirk Cousins, my contrarian play of the week. Not quite a galaxy brain, because I don't think it's a galaxy brain. But I think that, I mean, I love the Saints offense. I think the Vikings offense has a path to having a really good game here. The game that I think they're going to emulate is the 49ers game plan against, I mean, there's only like a month ago where the 49ers dropped 48 freaking points on the Saints. That was like, that is the dream thing that the Vikings could shoot for, and not just because the 49ers played really well, but because that's their ideal game situation, right? Because the Vikings have remade themselves in the image of kind of this Gary Kubiak style Zone running game, play action passing. Like that is what they are. Gary Kubiak learned that from Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan also taught this guy named Kyle Shanahan. So like the 49ers having the zone read play action system is actually kind of similar to what the Vikings want to do. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins actually both did play action this year at like the identical rate. Like my cousin, mm-hmm. like identical, like 39% play action of their passes were play action. I think that the Vikings like could do that. Like they that first half of the Saints game when the 49ers had like 14 and a half yards per play, which was crazy. Jimmy Garoppolo had like a perfect passer rating on uh, play action in that game. It was his second best play action passing game of the whole year was against the Saints. And they crushed him. Raheem Mostert had like 95 yards or something in the first half on like like eight touches. It was crazy. And they could pro- the Vikings are probably going to try to emulate that exact game plan with Cousins and Cook, um, with Dalvin Cook, that is, not Jared Cook. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, it does help that they get him back. He is he healthy and, and on track for everything this weekend. He's going to play. I believe he's been taken off the injury report, and I think it also helps them that the Saints had Marcus Davenport and Sheldon Rankins, where they're great, um, inter- like defensive defensive end for Davenport and defensive tackle yeah. for Rankins, and they both got hurt in the Niners game. So I think there's a world where the Vikings like are way more competitive than this than possible, and Kirk Cousins gets a few deep shots in. Yeah, they're going to be low owned on da- on daily sites too. I imagine. He's well, Kirk, the reason I have Kirk as my contrarian. He's the, tied for the cheapest quarterback with Tom Brady. And I think that's crazy because I it's such a. I know it's like oh well the Vikings will just do what the Niners did. It's a way easier path to me than like Tom Brady being great against the Titans defense. Another guy worth owning, Adam Thielen. It's kind of healthy rounding into form. He's pretty cheap on Fanduel. Do you think so? Yes, he's cheaper. Should we play him? He is cheap. I mean, he's cheaper than Cole Beasley, John Brown, and Edelman. So he missed, I forget how many games of that hamstring injury, but he hasn't had more than like 27 yards since like October. Well, we have to factor in what Marshawn Lattimore is going to do. And if, if he ends up covering Stefan Diggs, then this could be a fat Thielen game. Diggs quietly, number two. Are you not to- worried about the, the Green Bay collapse? Like how, how absolutely like terrible they looked against the Packers. They had seven first downs in that game. I think the Packers have a much better pass rush. I don't think the Saints have like two or three great pass rushers like the Packers do. I mean, it's concerning for sure, but I yeah. I think so. I, I, that's the price to me. The prices are probably a bit like you know recency biased towards that exactly co- complete collapse. Whereas in the regular season, for the most part, the Vikings' offense was really explosive, and Kirk Cousins looked really good on like play action and all that. Um, but yeah, he just. I mean, they just looked absolutely. You know just terrible against the Packers. And then they played a lot of backups last week. So I just don't know what version of the Vikings are going to show up. 
Yeah, when I'm just when Kirk Cousins is the cheapest guy by a lot on FanDuel, I'm like, I'm kind of like, well, I mean, there is a world here, and especially because I th- yeah. also the other key to this, and it's contrarian, and this is why we do it, is it's like no one's gonna pick Kirk Cousins this week. No one goes into Wild Card Weekend like, yeah, I'm gonna make a DFS lineup. I'm gonna have all these exciting players. I'm gonna pick Kirk Cousins. <laughs> but that's how you win. Yeah. Is you're picking the one no one else does. So that's kind of why I'm into Kirk. This it's, week. A, it's a fun. That's an interesting and fun one. So I I like it. All right. Next up, someone you're going home on, DK. Who's an expensive person you're out on this week? So DeAndre Hopkins of the Texans makes me a little bit worried this weekend. 8,300 going up against Buffalo's elite corner, Tredavious White. It's it's probable that White will follow Hopkins around for the majority of the game. Um, White had an outstanding season. In fact, he's been, he's been incredibly underrated pretty much his whole career, I think. Um, per PFF, Tredavious White in 2019 had 599 snaps in coverage and gave up zero touchdowns. Is that um, good? And that's it's decent. It's definitely decent. And um, per Sports Info Solutions SIS, he was actually the most targeted corner in the NFL without a TD allowed. So just really, really impressive. Uh, he he was targeted 81 times in coverage. So 599 snaps plus 81 targets on those. Uh, on those snaps, zero touchdowns allowed. So th- you're very much asking to kind of go against the grain if you're if you're betting big on Hopkins. Now, I will say, the last time that White gave up a touchdown, it was actually against Hopkins last season. Um, however, that was I still don't think you can necessarily rely on that because when Hopkins was in when he was getting uh, covered by White in that game, it was only two catches for 27 yards. So um, to me, Hopkins feels a little bit like touchdown or bust and the odds of a touchdown just feel low based on the fact that White's going to be falling around. So that one just makes me really nervous based on how good Tredavious White is. If I'm going to invest 8300 bucks in a player, I'm just going to probably go somewhere else with that. Yeah, and the other thing that's so interesting to me for this Texans game is that Will Fuller is a game-time decision for this contest. Yeah. His groin yeah. injury is questionable. It's kind of a trope now that like, oh, like Will Fuller changes the Texans uh, passing offense. He really does. He does. He yeah. really does. And I was looking into this week and this kind of blew my mind. On deep passing, Pro Football Focus tracks deep passing, which they define as passes that are more than 20 yards downfield. So the ball is to travel 20 yards, not like you can do a screen. Like that doesn't count. It's when the <laughs> ball travels 20 yards or more. And in the games that Will Fuller played this year, Deshaun Watson was basically the best deep passer in football like tied with Patrick Mahomes for number one in deep passing touchdowns and number one in passing yards and and adjusted completion percentage. He was like number two and adjusted completion percentage is just like if a receiver drops the ball, that counts as a completion for Watson. And if he like throws the ball away, that does not count as an attempt. So it's just like, it makes sense. So in adjusted completion percentage, he was like number two. But in the games that Will Fuller did not play, Deshaun Watson went from like number two in completion percentage to 25th. Tied with yeah. Josh Allen. <laughs> Who was terrible on deep passes. So Deshaun year. Watson is basically the best deep passer in football with Will Fuller. And he is Josh Allen when Will Fuller, when Will Fuller does not play. Yeah, and it's not just deep passing necessarily. It's like their whole offense is a lot worse with Will Fuller off the field. It's actually pretty remarkable. I saw this um, from Kevin Cole of PFF. Um, it's done. It, this is the EPA stats on their offense. Deshaun Watson's dropback splits with Fuller on and off the field in 2019. Uh, 337 plays with Fuller on the field. His EPA was 78.2. Off the field, 247 plays, negative 4.3 EPA. So Remind me what EPA is? Expected points added. So it, it's, 
you know, it, it's, it measures the I guess, overall efficiency of your offense. EPA is used in like DVOA and a lot of those stats. It's not necessarily a, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily describe how exactly how good the quarterback is specifically in those plays, but it's just the offense in general. Um, so, but yeah, EPA in terms of expected points added per play or whatever. And so Fuller just made a huge, huge difference in that overall offense. So him being a game time decision, and it looks unlikely that he'll play, um, can definitely make a huge, huge effect on just the overall effectiveness of the Texans offense. So that's why, again, that's why I'm worried about Hopkins. I love Hopkins. He's one of the best players in the NFL, but this specific matchup, I think, uh, makes him a little bit scary. Craig, anyone you're just out on? Derrick Henry, I think. Um, I don't know. This is like more of a gut feeling just because he's playing the Patriots and we do it every year. I mean, not every year, but... No, it's every year. (laughs) It's every year. We're riding off the Pats. Everyone's doing it. It's 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 fun. It's the, all the all the cool kids are doing it. At least yes, this is like riding off the Spurs, like three years ago, like everybody used to do four years ago. I don't know, man. Belichick is known for he's notorious <laughs> for stopping the team's best player. They design their entire game plan around it. The weather's going to be shitty. I know that like you'd say that that would help the run defense, but that might just like I mean the run offense. But I just think it'll hurt the whole game in general. New England's the worst fantasy matchup for running backs. They've allowed point three rushing scores per game. I don't know. I'm just betting on Belichick stopping Derrick Henry, who's kind of like the whole focal point of the Titans' entire existence. I'm torn because on one hand, it's if you just zoom out from this season and you just look at how like ignore the details and every single year in the playoffs it's like oh I don't know about the Patriots this year and then they're fine and they make the AFC championship game and you feel stupid having said that I'm especially with this year I I, I am really just anti-using the Patriots season-long defensive numbers for anything because in reality they have two seasons they had the first seven games and then they had the previous nine in their first seven games the Patriots had the best point differential like they outscored their opponents by the most in like 99 years which is good. And then in their final nine games, they outscored their opponents by 20 points, which was 13th in the whole league. So, like, not great. Like, their defense has just noticeably just been worse the last six weeks. Like, their secondary was completely healthy. They had um, Jonathan Jones is now is a, has an injury. Jason McCourty has an injury. Stephon Gilmore has been, who was Defensive Player of the Year, I think probably going to win, is now in doubt because he got shredded by Devontae Parker. Your boy, wait, we didn't even discuss this. I know, Craig. I was going to say the Your Defensive guy. Player of the Year is just got shredded by the <laughs> Offensive Player Do you want to take a moment and do a victory lap for just like shouting Devontae Parker from the rooftops from like July onward and now he's like unbelievable? I think he needs to come on this podcast. It's really my crowning achievement and um, <laughs> his name is close to Danny. Be so. careful. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for because he might just replace you. Honestly, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> That's probably the dream. <laughs> but anyway, the point is that Parker shredded Gilmore and now this Patriots defense is just not as good. Like, they couldn't stop the Dolphins last week. And the Titans, the Titans offense, in basically the same time period because Ryan Tannehill started playing in week seven. So, Titans offense have lead the league in yards per play. Tannehill leads the league in yards per attempt since then. Derrick Henry leads the league in literally every rushing category that matters since then. And A.J. Brown leads the league in yards per route run since then. So I'm kind of hesitant to just be like the Patriots defense is this world-destroying force when they really haven't been so in like two months. I don't know. I'm afraid. Yeah, I'm, I'm still not. scared. But we feel, du- yeah, I guess, but it feels stupid to go against Bill Belichick. I just wrote about the Patriots today about kind of how this is like their hardest path back to the Super Bowl in forever, essentially. Like they haven't played in the... They haven't played in the wild card round in a decade. 
And <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Deacon, what were you doing in 2011? Sorry, 2009. 2009. I don't know what year it is anymore. 2009 was last time they played in the wild card round. Um, I don't remember. I don't even remember what was happening like two years ago, to be honest. But yes, the one thing I will say though is like I am very still very confident in this defense. I, I, it's unbelievable to me that they lost to the Dolphins, but at the same time, I still think that Belichick, like Craig was alluding to, can just scheme the hell out of it and figure out a way to take away Henry. So that's I'm kind of I, I lean. I'm worried. I'm. I'm less confident in the Patriots in terms of their inevitability as a postseason team. However, I do think that defense is still very, very good. It just doesn't feel right that this is all going to end because they lose to the Titans. You know? F- F- Deserve got nothing to do with it. I'm quoting Snoop right there. Do you think this is a tough match? Like, is this this is a bad matchup for the for the Patriots, don't you think? Yeah. Well, like, here's the former, thing. Like, former Gilmore player, just got former, shredded you know. by Devontae Parker, right? Like, the only person who has been better than Devontae Parker f- since week seven is AJ Michael Brown. Thomas and A.J. Brown. That's it. Yeah. Those are the two players who've been better than, like, by receiving yards, like, almost anything you want to look at, yards per route run, A.J. Brown. So it's not like Stefan Gilmore's just going to do better this week necessarily. I just think there's a chance that Tannehill has no one to throw it to. And also, Belichick has played Tannehill like 10 times. Which also kind of scares me. Oh, yeah. I don't get why those stats are being thrown around because it implies like that the Dolphins Tannehill seasons have anything to do with this current Tannehill like existence. Yeah, you got to take Gase into account. I'm too, surprised yeah. how often people are <laughs> citing like the yeah like the Adam Gase Ryan Tannehill thing. Clearly, if we've learned one thing about Ryan Tannehill this year, it's like this version is not the same. Does not compute. I don't know. I, but having said that, a rule principle of this podcast we always come back to is when in doubt, do the thing that will make you feel less stupid. Yes. And the thing that will make us feel less stupid is probably like, oh, yeah, we went against Bill Belichick in the playoffs. So to so. summarize, maybe be a little <laughs> hesitant to spend 9300 bucks of your FanDuel money on Derrick Henry. Maybe. All right. Glad we did <laughs> Just that. maybe. And having said that, <laughs> and though. And we're back. And we're back. I'm still hesitant to do the Pats defense because you're not going to get a discount. They're basically the most expensive defense. It's like $100 less. So they're number two, but they're basically number one. And nah. And the Titans are rolling. Like the Titans have looked absolutely amazing on offense of late. So. Other side of the ball in that game. Anyone you guys like? Craig? Uh, I like James White. Little Goldilocks action? Little Goldilocks action for James White. Tennessee allows the third most catches to running backs, which is obviously James White's forte. Um, Edelman's banged up, and Brady is not throwing deep balls anymore. He's averaging 6.1 yards per attempt over his last 10 games. So this sets up well for James White, who's pretty much the only other reliable Patriot not named Julian Edelman uh, in Brady's eyes. And um, he's proven himself. Last year in the playoffs, he touched the ball 28 times in their three games. He had a 15-catch game against the Chargers in the divisional round. I think White's just, like, always a safe bet for the Pats. Deke, what do you think? About James White or my middle-range sweet spot guy? James White. Well, I do like it. And like Craig said, you know, they tend to go to him a lot. And the, the trust factor is big because in that offense, they just got a bunch of dudes who Brady doesn't trust. And that's been a huge part of what's happening with their passing game in terms of why like it's struggled so much. Sanu is new, and then you got Harry, who's who's a rookie and still probably not in the right spots all the he time. He has, like, less catches than Stephon and, Gilmore, I think. And the Titans, <laughs> yeah. like, their best cornerback's Logan Ryan, who probably should have been a pro bowler, and he's a slot cornerback. So he's going to be an informed patriot. He's going to be going against Julian Edelman. They also have uh, they have great safety play, and I mean, there's been a, teams have been pretty successful just bracketing Julian Edelman and being like, get open everyone else, and they can't. So, not a great yeah. matchup. The only, for the only thing that worries me about White though is just 
the unpredictability of the Patriots' backfield rotation. Like, they, will this be the Sony Michelle game, or are they going to use Burkhead on twenty, you know, twenty carries or something like random? You know, they just never really know what to do with the Patriots' backfield. But I do think White has that receiving upside, and um, you know, if their run game isn't clicking, then they're probably going to rely on White. Quite Rex a bit. Burkhead confuses me because he hasn't played more than thirty-one percent of snaps, like like according to the internet. And like official sites, but I swear to God, he's in on like three quarters of the Patriots. <laughs> no plays. one understands Rex Burkhead. I'm just confused. I don't understand. Like anecdotally, like watching Patriots games, I feel like he's always on the field, and then it's actually not. Doesn't he also seem like one of those players where he wouldn't make the roster of like any other team, but for some reason, like the Patriots <laughs> like him? Yeah, basically. All right, we're gonna keep going. DK, gonna give us your Goldilocks, but first, we're gonna take a quick break. January is here, and that means January sports are here. The pro football playoffs are kicking off, the college football season is wrapping up, and the NBA is getting into full swing. And if you're as excited as we are about the best sports month of the year, then you'll want to make sure you enjoy all of the action on FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel Sportsbook is America's biggest online sportsbook for a reason. They've got all the bets you could want. They've got a great, easy-to-use app, and once you win, they get you your cash fast. And if you've been holding out on trying FanDuel Sportsbook, then now is the time. Because right now, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new users a free $50 bet just for signing up. What games are you trying to bet on this week? I feel like if I were doing something, give me a two-team teaser, Saints giving two, Saints-Vikings over, over 40. It's easy money. It's easy. That bet or any free $50 bet is only available for a limited time, so don't wait to get your piece of the action Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app on iOS or visit FanDuel.com slash Android. And be sure to sign up with the promo code RINGERNFL to get your free $50 bet. That is FanDuel Sportsbook promo code RINGERNFL. You must be 21 plus years old. You must be physically present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, or Indiana. The free bet is issued as a non-withdrawable site credit and expires seven days after receipt. Minimum deposit is $10, required to withdraw any winnings. Terms apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, DK, let's finish out these Goldilocks things. Things, players. They're human beings. DK, <laughs> who's a middle-range guy you like this week to outperform that, that price on him? All right, so I'm going with DK Metcalf of the Seahawks rookie receiver who has emerged as a big playmaker for them. 6,200 against the Eagles. Um, he got a career high, season high, 12 targets last week, caught six for 81 and a touchdown. Um, Russell Wilson has really been feeding him kind of like in big moments and crunch time. And he's stepped up for him. Obviously, there's a few rookie mistakes here and there. Like he had a couple uh, unfortunate drops and fumbles during the season. But overall, he's like a big mismatch type guy that Russell Wilson does not have any fear throwing it up for him, and he can go deep. He's very, very fast. Um, so there's a lot to like there. Uh, I should note, the previous game before that, he only had one target and zero catches, so it's not like he is an every week just monster. He's definitely a big boomer bust type of guy. Um, so his, his his floor is low, but I also just really like his ceiling a lot. Uh, the one note, the other one note to thing here, uh, the other one thing to note here is there has been reports that it could be really windy in, on Sunday in Philly, Right now, I checked the, the forecast. It was mostly sunny, 40 degrees and 17 miles an hour. So 17 is not nothing, but it's not necessarily, uh, you know, way too crazy for like any passing game to happen. 
What's the deal with Russell Wilson in the wind? I don't know so much about the wind, but like when it gets wet and rainy is when he really struggles. So, and that happens a lot in Seattle. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but um, he's just not, he, he hasn't been an excellent bad weather quarterback in his career, which I guess kind of goes against. Who is? Is there anybody who's an excellent the nar- bad the quarterback? But no, but Russ is particularly bad. Okay. I mean, they played earlier this year and he was awful. In the way, I mean, he's he's relative. He's bad relative for sure to like what he is in like a dome or in, in good weather. So that's definitely like a factor. It wouldn't necessarily completely scare me away from Metcalf, but um, if it is going to be like thirty mile an hour winds, you know, as we get closer to the weekend, that's definitely a time to adjust. Um, however, I was like, just this matchup looks really really good um, from Shield Capadia at the Athletic. Great great writer for the Athletic. He Who, posted uh, he a predicted. The minute mark that Brandon Graham would strip sack Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, like literally to the second. Yeah. So listen to what that he was. Says. That was like the most incredible call I've ever seen in my life. Like <laughs> insane. Yeah. So, anyways, trust Shield is yes. the point. Um, anyway, he posted a article that kind of broke down how the Seahawks could beat the beat the Eagles. And for the record, he was a longtime both Seahawks and Eagles beat reporter, so he knows these teams very, very well. Um, he said, number one, relentlessly attack their corners downfield. And per Shield, here's a rundown of where the Eagles defense ranked against outside receivers during the regular season. Yards allowed per game, 144.9, dead last. Explosive <laughs> receptions, which are 20 plus or more, 31st, or 31, which is tied for 29th in the league. Touchdowns, 17, which is dead last. Yards per target, 9.09, which is 27. So they, they are awful against outside deep receivers. Um, so that matchup just really bodes well for Metcalf, as long as Wilson can get going. Um, so I don't know. I just think, to me, I love that matchup. He's definitely a good sort of middle-range price right now, and he's got a huge upside. So I, I just really like that one. We also can't talk about this game anymore without me just reading the Eagles injury report, which I I feel like this, I'm just filibustering like the Senate right now, but running back Miles Sanders has an ankle injury. Darren Sproles is on injured reserve with a hip injury. Zach Ertz, questionable with a ribs injury. Alshon Jeffrey, injured reserve of the foot injury. Deshaun Jackson, injured reserve of the abdomen injury. Nelson Aguilar, an injured reserve of the knee injury. Right tackle Lane Johnson, <laughs> questionable with an ankle injury. Guard Brandon Brooks, on injured reserve of the shoulder injury. Defensive tackle Fletcher Cox, questionable with a triceps injury. Defensive end Derek Barnett, ankle injury. Linebacker Camus Grugier-Hill, injured reserve of the back injury. Cornerback Ronald Darby. Injury, injured reserve with a hip injury. Cornerback Jalen Mills has an ankle injury. Cornerback Sidney Jones has a back injury. Cornerback Avante Maddox has an abdomen injury. Why are the Seahawks only favored by a point and a half? Because they've been pretty bad lately. So they actually the, lost three of their last four games. So that's the thing is like, here's, I think, the weird paradox of this game. On paper, the Eagles are like, how on earth are they going to compete, right? right? Because they've right. had this no-name group of, I mean, I mean, look, you know what? Sometimes, you know, this is our job. We got to know stuff. I'm going to be honest. I did not know who Josh Perkins was two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Full disclosure. Deontay <laughs> Burnett, Robert Foster. I had no idea who any of these people are. I get paid to do this for a living. I had never in my, not Robert Foster, he's on the bills. I don't even remember. Like, DK, you, you were doing draft expert. Did you know right. who Deontay Burnett was three weeks ago? I knew who he was. I, here, I'll say this, Danny. I knew who he was. I had no idea he was on the Eagles anymore. Yeah. I thought he was on the Jets. Greg Ward is <laughs> yeah. a, like an AAF receiver. He's like the most the most well-known player they have at wide receiver right now after J.J.R. Siegel-Whiteside. Like, and so you're like, oh, well, how is this going to work? Well, yeah. it's working because the Eagles are, they're, I believe they're 
one of the four best teams on third down still. Carson Wentz is making this work somehow. And yes, they shredded bad defenses like Washington, yeah. Giants, like not a ton to play for, not, not a lot of going on great in their secondaries. Having said that, this Seahawks defense is not much better than those teams, especially with Quandre Diggs, who a defensive back that, DK, you can explain better than me, has changed the Seahawks defense. And if he misses this game like he did the last couple of weeks, Seahawks defense, is it that much better than... Oh, wait, right. this is my opportunity. Hey, DK, what's Seahawks defense? Oh, no, I fucked it up. Damn. I'm <laughs> Tell me about the Seahawks wow. defense. Tell me about the— Yeah, well, I've never done that in the reverse. But That's all is right. this all right. Seahawks defense much better than Washington or the Giants? Like, can't the Eagles just do what they did? No. To- I mean, not right now, and especially not with the injuries. Like, Jadavian Clowney, uh, he's been fighting a core injury, and he is a big, big factor for them, I think, if he can get healthy and be sort of 100% or whatever, because when he was not 100%, he's been a non-factor. He got completely shut down against the 49ers last week, and I don't know if you remember going back to, I think it was like week 10 or 9 or something like that. He absolutely took over the game versus the 49ers in that game. So his health is a huge, huge question mark. um, Quandre Diggs is due back this week. It sounds like positive that he's going to come back, but since he's left, um, the Seahawks secondary has just been a disaster, especially in the middle of the field. Um, Lano Hill has just been not good, and, and he really affects like everything they do because it, you know they just can't do the things they want to do schematically. They can't play one high stuff if they don't trust the guy in the back, and that just affects everything. There's like a ripple effect everywhere. So, anyways, the point is they're they're just banged up. They have not been good even when healthy. Um, so when they're not healthy, it's just especially grim for for that defense. I think the Eagles will win this game outright. I think that taking the Eagles points and if you want to throw them in a teaser or whatever is the best bet I see this week for a simple reason. The Eagles offense and Doug Peterson is coaching this team like they're very aware of who they are. They're very aware that they are banged up and they're just trying yeah. to do what they're just trying to survive. They're not going downfield anymore. They dink and dunk and they dink and dunk and they call their third down plays knowing when they're going to go for it on fourth, which is why they're, they've been amazing on unsustainably quote unquote great on third down for three years. It's because they're fourth down uh, charts change how they call plays in third down and it works and they d- do what they do. The Seahawks, and tell me if I'm wrong, DK, the Seahawks, like Pete Carroll's not really treating the Seahawks defense like they're bad. <laughs> they're treating it like they're still like have Earl yeah. Thomas at safety. They don't. And because yeah. as you said, Lano Hill's not playing great at safety. Like they don't have this great, especially with, um, uh, Shaq Griffin, their great cornerback is not healthy. And like, they're playing like this, this fantastic secondary. They don't really know who they are. They're not adapting. Like, I, I just, when, yeah. it's, when in doubt, I'm going to go with the team who like is really firm in their identity and at home. Yeah, and that's what I wrote, actually. I wrote about the Seahawks um, earlier this week or last last week, earlier this week. I can't remember exactly when it was. Time but, all blends together. Um, we don't yeah. know what decade it is. I, I said, end quote, Carroll must at the very least stop coaching like he's protecting a sub, subpar quarterback with the best defense in the world because he has neither. And it's pissed me off. It, it pisses a lot of Seahawks fans off, too. Like, he plays... Yes so conservatively on offense because he and he like they like you know punt when they're at the 35 yard line of their opponent because they think they're going to pin the pin the you know pin the offense back and let their defense go to work but the problem is they don't have a good defense and so it just absolutely pisses a lot of people off and um you know Carroll definitely deserves the the benefit of the doubt from 10 10 years of you know very sustained success and I'm not calling for his firing anything like that but it's definitely been one of those things that's been really really frustrating is how conservative they are with Russell Wilson and how much they trust a defense when it's not even playing well. So um, it worries me. And last year we saw the exact same thing. They they went into Dallas 
and just tried to run the ball the entire game. And Dallas absolutely stuffed them. And they never, and they waited way too long. They did not never do it, but they waited way too long to go to Russell Wilson and let him start doing his thing. And I'm really worried that's going to happen again this week when they don't even have, like, they, they're down to, like, their fifth string running back at this point. Exactly. Like you just said earlier, the Eagles, the best way to attack them is their outside cornerbacks. Do you think the Seahawks are coming into this game being like, yeah, we're going to throw outside really aggressively the whole game? No way. <sighs> it would surprise me. Yeah. But I love when you get angry, though. So I'm kind of loving this. I love angry DK. I just want you to be angry. <laughs> If there's one thing that makes me angry, it's it's sort of the in-game decision-making for the Seahawks. And so, yeah, that's I'm really, really hoping they come out aggressively, okay, but so we're I just fading, don't see it happening. Fading Russell Wilson in this game because bad weather Russell and also who knows if they're actually going to take advantage of a good matchup. Right. We like DK Metcalf. I'm skeptical of DK Metcalf, honestly. I know you like him because of the matchup. I don't know if they're going to take super advantage of it, but— they usually will hit DK Metcalf. Yeah, and game. let me let me say again, it is he has a, a boom bust element to him for sure. All right, contrarian play, Craig. Who are you cutting against the grain? I don't know if this is that contrarian, but it, I think they're like the least sexy offense in the playoffs, maybe. But I'm, I just love the Bills this week. I like everyone <laughs> yeah. on the Bills, just like I liked that Falcons Bucks game, which kind of was decent last week. My, my Fandle team of all Falcons and Bucks uh, was like in the top thirty eight percent. Did so you win like, money? No, I did not win money. But oh. if it was a 50 okay. 50 contest, I would have won money. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. How did the Robert Griffin lineup go? I forgot. I, don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I like Mind the, your own business. I like the Bills this week. Um, <laughs> I don't know what all the prices are, all their players combined. I don't know, $32,000. They're playing Houston. Um, so let's start with Josh Allen. I'll be quick here. The Texans allow the fourth most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks uh, per Fandle scoring. And Allen's got that floor. He's got that rushing floor. He's first in rushing TDs with nine this year, third in yards mm. with 510. He was the QB six this year. He's had a pretty, he's kind of had a rough end of the season, but he's played a lot of really good defenses. And uh, Houston is not really that. And that's why I don't mind John Brown or Cole Beasley, which we'll get to our lineup later. But the Texans' corners are not good. They have 35 year old Jonathan Joseph. They got Vernon Hargraves from the Bucks, and they got Gary and Conley from, I think, the Raiders. Um, Hargraves mm-hmm. and Conley have allowed 11 touchdowns combined in their coverage this year, which is terrible. So I kind of think whether it's John Brown deep, Cole Beasley under, I like them both. I like Devin Singletary too. The Texans are 25th against the run. Since week nine, Devin Singletary's had 16.5 rushing attempts per game since they've benched, or, you know, since he took the leading took spot over. from Frank Gore. So I also think the Bills are going to win this game. I love the Bills. I want to talk real quick about Josh Allen because— I feel like last year we we all talked about him, you know, after last year, I should say, about how he was absolutely going to regress as a rusher. And in some ways he did. You know, he finished with fewer rushing yards uh, this season, but he actually scored more touchdowns than yeah, he did nine. as a rookie. Yeah, nine. He led the damn league more than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so he had eight touchdowns as a rookie. And, and I remember thinking at the beginning of the year, like, oh, that's definitely going to go down. That seems like an outlier. He had nine this year. So I just think, you know, he he is that kind of guy. Not calling him Cam Newton necessarily, but he is very dangerous in the red zone because of what he can do with his legs, and so that gives you a little bit more of a boost. How do you feel about how do you feel about Devin Singletary in this game, DK? I like Singletary too. I mean, I I just been a huge fan of his. I think running back for the Bills, they'll probably get him a good amount of touches, and I think that's an important thing to do when you're talking about sort of like these um, middle of the road priced guys. And, yeah, I just think he's very elusive. You know, he doesn't have a ton of upside as a pass catcher, but there have been a few games in there where he's gotten a good amount of targets. So maybe he'll, you know, if he can get like three or four targets in that game, in this game, that would be great. Who's your contrarian for the week? 
Uh, my contrarian play of the week, and I hate myself for this, but it's Taysom Hill of the why, Saints. Why do you hate yourself? That's a great pick. <laughs> Love Taysom Hill. So he's Hill. actually listed. He's listed as a tight end. You know, because a lot for a lot of the season, um, at least on Fanduel, not in real life. Yeah, at least in uh, on like Yahoo and ESPN, I believe he was still only listed as a quarterback. So you couldn't really plug him in as a tight end, despite the fact that he was getting a good amount of touches. Um, but he's listed as he's listed as a tight end on Fanduel, so that kind of gives him some. Some either like low end, like bargain bin tight end or flex appeal. Most mad and creative player, dude, that there has ever been. He's playing tight end, running back, lining and up with a and receiver, quarterback, special yeah. teams. I kind of expect him to play defensive end at some point. Maybe kick a field goal, <laughs> dude. Yeah, he gets he gets looks in the red zone. It's just one of those things where he is also another sort of boomer bust guy. If you look at his scoring totals, it's been like double digits, one, double digits, three. You know, like he, he's kind of hit or miss. But um, Peyton, Sean Peyton is definitely obsessed with using this guy. At the I'm, most obs- random. I'm obsessed with using the guy. <laughs> he's amazing. Real gadget yeah. guy. He's the, he's the definition of a gadget it's guy. Not, he's no, only he's not, gadget implies it's not essential. He's like an iPhone. It's like, I don't think I could live in an NFL world without Taysom Hill. He's the this. glue. He's the glue guy of this team. Yeah. Um, so he's 5,200. And... So he, I kind of, I was I was pretty much d- deciding between putting him a contrarian or a bargain man. I think he's absolutely a bargain man too because fifty two hundred. That's the same as guys like Deontay Burnett, who we just talked about, Ola BC Johnson, David Moore. Some of these guys that are going to get like one target in a game. Um, again, he has a little bit of a bust potential, but he's he's used in so many different ways. It would not surprise me whatsoever if he get like if he got like two touchdowns in this game. So um, yeah, he's my contrarian sort of. Slash bargain man play of the week. So we yeah we 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 had to like kind of retire the galaxy brain because we felt that galaxy braining in the playoffs was kind of like a lie. Like there's not there's actually five, a galaxy there's brain. There's four games. Yeah, like they're all good so. teams. And however, <laughs> I have reached cosmic apotheosis once more, and I have a galaxy brain. Let's hear it. Linebacker Landon Roberts for yeah. the New England <laughs> Patriots. I like that one. Yeah, he's not priced because he's not actually listed, but. <laughs> So it's real, it real galaxy brain. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear what he said this week? Like after he had a touchdown, I guess this is two weeks. Uh, no, against the Dolphins, he had that long touchdown. No, he did have, yeah, he did a touchdown. Did you hear what he said? No. He said, quote, I run through a motherfucker's face. Offense, defense, special <laughs> teams. I think that's why Bill likes me. That's a, that's a, remember how people were getting all up in arms about uh, George Kittle Stealing Marshawn Lynch quotes. That, that's a Marshawn Lynch quote. Yeah, too. Marshawn had that quote like when you run through a motherfucker fast or something like that. Face. It's face. I Wait, think. this is oh, was it ripped face? from Marshawn Lynch? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remember that interview? He's like, you run through a motherfucker face? Yeah. And he's like, over and over and over and over again. Okay, so Elandon Roberts is off my galaxy, Brad. I can't believe he's plagiarizing. He's going, he's, plagiarizing Marshawn Lynch is not allowed. Paying spot, homage to Marshawn uh, Lynch. Yeah, you're right. Fine. It's an, yeah, it's an homage. Yeah. <laughs> homage or homage? Homage. Paying homage. Right, I don't even know. Homage? Let's move on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> let's get out of here. Um, bargain bin of the week. DK, get us rolling. All right. My bargain bin of the week is Kenny Stills of Houston going up against Buffalo. We've kind of talked a little bit on the show about how we don't really like Houston that much this, this week. But with Will Fuller out, I think that gives Stills potential for a little bit more volume. Um, more importantly, though, I think it is the is the deal with White probably shadowing Hopkins throughout the game. I think that just gives Stills a better matchup potential um, because if you actually go through the games that 
Will Fuller's been out this year. Stills hasn't had incredible numbers, like 322, uh, four catches, 52, four catches, 27 yards, two catches, eight yards. Those are the four games without Will Fuller. So it's not necessarily just because Fuller is out, but I just think, uh, you know, based on the matchups, based on this particular matchup with Buffalo, I think it gives him a chance to move around the offense, do some things, give uh, Deshaun Watson an option other than Hopkins, who's going to be, you know, being guarded by one of the best defenders in the NFL. So kind of like him from that sense. Uh, In his last four games prior to the season finale, which he sat out with a knee injury, which is, he's still been limited limited with that knee injury, but it's looking like he'll play. Um, His four games before that, nine targets, five catches, 57 yards. The game before that, he had three targets, three catches, 35 yards, two touchdowns. And then, he had a touchdown the two weeks before that as well. So he's, you know, he's he's definitely a bit of a boom bust, but I just like this matchup. I think he's very, you know, cheap based on what he's going to get in terms of snaps and routes run. So that's one I kind of like for this bargain bin right now. Beautiful. Last one for me, my bargain bin, just Tennessee defense, baby, playing against the Patriots. But I think we have special guests to discuss this one. Curious about. Titans defense is the cheapest defense available in FanDuel this that's week. That's crazy. I know. The Pats have no receivers that can get open. Well, they've Julian Edelman, but he's... Um, What's the over-under on trick plays this weekend from the Pats? We were just talking about this on my podcast. <laughs> Four. One flea flicker. There's going to be one double reverse. Edelman will throw at least one pass. And then Sanu might throw a pass. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, Sanu will throw a and pass. And then we know we're running the Landon Roberts play again. It was our best <laughs> yeah. play of the year. Do you think Landon Roberts catches the pass from Sanu? Yeah. I mean, did you see the athleticism? It's a reach over his head and then turn around. He ducks. He ducks the guy out. I think we, there's a fake kick or a fake punt potential. They're gonna be yeah, kitchen sinking this. How worried are you about playing the? What is it? 10 do you usually 10. have plans a wild card weekend? Like what do you usually do? No, I, this is my favorite weekend of the year. Oh, I so love the four still, games in a row because the games are always close. You know, this reminds me like like my mom. Her favorite week of the year is when the Giants are on bye because she loves mm-hmm. watching football without having to worry about oh, the yeah, Giants. No stress. Is that why Wild Card Weekend's your favorite weekend of the year? I just I love the gambling. I have the dream of going eleven zero against the spread every year, and every year it goes down <laughs> in flames, either in round one or round two. Well, you got to get into over unders. I like the uh, the fantasy draft stuff, like the uh, daily, and then the reason I want to come on. This my East Coast draft. I'm in the playoffs, and we have the greatest system of all time that I want to tell your listeners about. <laughs> Top four make it, protect six up to six from your team, and then here's how here's what the breakdown is. And I was going to ask you guys what you thought I should do with the with my pick. Oh, you haven't made this decision yet. It's it's the email draft just started. Oh oh wow okay so it's a big deal. The top nice, team. Nice. It's two quarterbacks, three running backs, three receivers, one tight end, one D, one kicker, one wild card. It can be any position. It could be a quarterback. Wait, so this could be a three-quarterback league? Yeah. Oh, my God. It could it's, be Landon Roberts. Who knows? To- <laughs> totality of the playoffs. Everything adds wow. up. Wow. So if you have Tannehill, and he ends up making the Super Bowl, and you get four Tannehill games, he might end up getting, like, what, 100 points. You know how you're, like, obsessed with collecting quarterbacks? Yeah. And you'll have six on a one quarterback It'd league? It'd be great. This I, is your quarterback. This is your time. Can't have more than three. So the top guy protected Deshaun Watson, Henry and Lynch, Lockett and Marquise Brown, and Butker. The second guy is like, I don't like any of my keepers, even though he had Debo and Ingram. I don't understand why he didn't want to keep those. He's like, I'm cleaning slate. I'm not protecting anybody. You got rid of Mark Ingram? Yeah. It's a bad decision. It's a bad decision. (laughs) My guys are Lamar. I have no running backs. Tyreek Hill and Hopkins. Kittle. Ravens D. Tucker. 
and then Rob Stone, yeah. the, my buddy. Um, Drew Brees, Kamara, AJ Brown, Kelsey, Cook, and Robbie Gould. It's pretty tough. But snake draft. So now we're snake drafting it. I'm third. Stoner's fourth, so he's behind me. So I'm I'm ahead of him. I'm sorry, it's not snake draft. It's it's just top pick every round goes to okay. the top guy. So every round I'm third. So you get to draft from all the dudes who didn't make the playoffs. So first pick, Patrick Mahomes. Obviously. Yeah. Second pick, this was a doozy, Russell Wilson. Mm. Wow. So right now on the board That's for interesting. Me, That's interesting. That's a bad pick. Yeah, that, I thought that was a bad pick. They on could the board right lose now. it this week. <laughs> so you, well, I think his thinking is he's betting Wilson wins this week and then plays next week. So he's getting yeah. at least two games, right? So on the board for me are Aaron Rodgers, who's not playing this week. Mm-hmm. Jimmy G, not playing this week. Aaron Jones, not playing this week. Um, Dalvin Cook, Ingram, um, Michael Thomas, who is playing this week. I have my thoughts on this week. DK, what do you think? Um, so the, so the, in my opinion, the choices are Rodgers or Jimmy G, who do you think is going to go further? I actually, I think the Niners are the best team. Yeah. DK, you agree? Well, I was going to say, if you're not going to pick a quarterback, you definitely get Michael Thomas. But if you, if you absolutely want to pick a quarterback... I, don't, I think Michael Thomas might outscore Aaron Rodgers in I think, the playoffs. I, I don't think you should pick... Rod- so if, if you're doing within the quarterbacks, I don't think the Packers are the move. I mean, football I'm outsiders... I'm out on the Packers. Foot- I think they could lose. They're the second yeah. worst 13-3 team ever. Aaron shots at football outsiders. The outside Pythagorean outside. stuff yeah. where they should have won nine, went exactly. 9.6 games. I, I saw that. Jimmy G, though, I think I could get three games out of him. And in our league, a quarterback's even a little more valuable because if you get a long pass, you get extra points. And Breeze like isn't that. out there? Breeze is gone. So... For yeah. me, the choices are Michael Thomas and hope the Saints go the whole way or Jimmy G. Now I would have Jimmy G, Kittle, and Gould. And Ingram's still out there too? Ingram's out there too. Wait, sorry. But, who are your receivers again? Well, I have Hill and Hopkins. If you have Hill, Hopkins, and you add Michael Thomas. But then I then that's I'm set at receiver now. I would only be able to use my wild card position. I, oh. I, I have three running back holes. So that would be the case for Ingram. I just don't know, like, what am I getting at Ingram? Quarterbacks score the most points, and they're the most reliable. And at a certain point, I think you do want to, if you could get three quarterbacks, that would be ideal. So I was thinking, if I get Jimmy G here, and then I don't go for another four picks, Rodgers will go. Wait, but, but then Tannehill, Brady, Allen, Wentz still available. What is this league? How important is it to get points in the first, in the wild card round? It's just total. Oh, it's your total for the whole playoffs. Total. Oh, that's cool. So if I w- ideally would want to get three or four games out of whoever I'm picking. So that's why you have to put the playoff strategy in. This is why this is such a good league. That is all that's right, really fun. DK, yeah. would you go like Michael Thomas and Craig too? Would you guys go like Michael Thomas or would you guys go like Jimmy G? Trying to get three games. I think I would. Well, he has to fill a roster though. That's the thing. Right. So you think running back maybe? But the thing is with quarterbacks, because I can have up to three in my roster, which is another really fun wrinkle. If I grab one now... And I need to have two anyway, and then potentially my my wild card could be the third quarterback. I think you go. I think you go Jimmy oh, wow. G, and then try and grab Ingram on the way back, and hope he's there. Yeah. So you figure the next ones will be Rogers, Jimmy G, Thomas, Aaron Jones are the next four in some order. Yeah. Well, so you're gonna have to. So and then have Ingram to start- could be available coming back to yeah. me in the next round. 
So your third running back is going to be like Rex Burkhead. Oh, it is going to. I'd be <laughs> delighted to get Rex Burkhead. <laughs> I could be looking at Matt Breida. I could be looking at Devin Singletary for one game. Wait, where's Raheem Mostert? Is he on this list? He's on the list. Oh, he's out there? Ooh. No, he's he's available. Oh, my Ooh. God. Okay, so here's what. Raheem, I would, I'm not kidding. I would pick Raheem Mostert first among all the running backs. I would pick him over Mark Ingram. So I can get him next round. I would I would snatch him. So I could, the other thing. Jimmy people, G and then get Mostert. Well, people yeah. have won this way because I already have Kittle. Where I just oh, like, wow. I'm all in on the Niners. I think the Niners are playing three games and I have all their guys. And we won't post this podcast until you draft Mostert. So don't right. worry. <laughs> right, right, right. We're not posting this for a while. So I think I should take Jimmy G. Because Michael Thomas, who do they play next round? Well, no. So, well, it would be New Orleans at Green Bay, probably. If they win, they would play the two seed. Yeah, because they're the three. So they would play the Packers, which is good for you because that means the Saints will probably win. Here's the also, here's the thing for you. You also like, like Jimmy G. You want to root for him. But at a certain point, like when you're on the fence about stuff, I always feel that take the Go. players you love and want to watch on TV. I think the Niners are really good. I'm just so impressed by them this year. They're the team I feel the best about in either conference. So it would make sense for me to load up on them in this league and hope I'm right. More right? than the Ravens. I, the Ravens still have a little, haven't really been there before <laughs> feeling. Not that the Niners have been there, but the Niners have played in so many playoff games this year already. You know, they've been in some wars. I, they're conditioned for this. Whereas the Ravens have, how many actual big games have they played? Like three? Oh, uh, the one where they walloped the Patriots. Well, that one. Was, that one happened. <laughs> I remember that one. KC game. <laughs> And then the San Francisco game. Those are their three biggest won. games, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a weird, the weather the, the was Ravens, weird. The Ravens have an incredible amount of swag. I don't, I'm not even worried about like the not having, haven't been there factor. I think they're just so confident. They're, they actually remind me a lot of like early Seahawks where they mm. just didn't give a shit. They, they didn't give a shit about prior, you know, like act like you've been there type of thing. They're just so swaggy. I, I love that part of it. I'm curious. That'd what, be a great Super Bowl. I'm curious. So I, I don't, it really carries when the Super Bowl as much as I kind of just want the final four teams to be Ravens, Chiefs, and the AFC Championship because I think those are the two best teams be in the a NFC. Great game. 49ers, Saints, and the NFC Championship. And then I just want the four best teams. I'm curious who you and DK, I'm curious who you guys think would come out of those. So final if it's four. 49ers, Saints, then I get three Ingram games. So that would lead toward the case turn Ingram. But I just feel like Jimmy G is more valuable. Well, no, because that would be two because he's not playing this weekend. Yeah, but I'm saying. I can get three maximum out of Jimmy oh, G. Yeah, yeah. If I think they're beating the Saints, I still get my three Michael Thomas games. Here's the point. With This is why I wanted to come on. This is a really, this gets me caring about this league for 21 weeks yeah, versus 16. I just like it more. And the, the top team is still rewarded. The team that won our league because he gets picked Pat Mahomes and he gets the fifth pick and the yeah, ninth pick. Wild. He gets to cherry pick everybody. And then when we're picking our teams, <laughs> like Stoner who finished fourth, but, you know, he has Breeze and Kamara. He has Kelsey. Um, he took a couple of playoff guys hoping they were going to make the playoffs. And then they made the playoffs. Yeah. DK, you do go. you think this could work as, like, dynasty? I like this as a style. And, Danny, didn't you, didn't you bring up, like, the idea of playing DFS, but where you only get points if teams win? Yeah. It's oh, somewhat well, that's, similar that's to that. My, my dream fantasy, like, how I think one. fantasy is, like, the platonic ideal of what it should be is this. But a season long where you... Your players get their points if they win the game, combined with this, where they also get in the playoffs. Because the whole thing <laughs> is like, like pick what does plus every fantasy. player say after a game when they did well and they lost? They're like, well, none of it matters. Yeah, they get a zero. 
So imagine if your fantasy season, whether it's DFS or like season long, your players just got goose eggs. And so this year we're like, oh, Saquon wouldn't go one. Even McCaffrey wouldn't have been great. It's like that the player should be a DFS league every yeah. week yeah. where you should. Fun. It should be tied into whether imagine, they win or not. It'd be really fun. Imagine writing Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, but it's like they're winning, so they're actually the best because they're winning, and that's what matters. Instead of garbage time, that's how you cure garbage time. That's how you kind of reconcile the difference where everyone gets annoyed of like you're rooting in the fourth quarter for garbage time points. No one cares. And then I would love that combined with this, but well, Tannehill is going to end up on my team because I think they're going to. At least have one big game. Okay, so well, let, let's get let's get this pick made though. So, who, so you're between DK. Do you think Aaron Jones or Michael Thomas or Jimmy G right here? I think, think it's Jimmy do? G. I it's, think that's the right move. Only only because quarterbacks are worth more in in this yeah. league. That's what I, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Is like anytime you have multiple quarterbacks, those guys really carry your team. And so I, I can see that. Like I think there is an argument for Michael Thomas, but I can definitely see just grabbing Jimmy G and then. Getting like mostered on the on the next round or or Ingram if he's still alive. I I'll post all this stuff on Instagram so your listeners can see it. <laughs> Before I go, Danny, I just want to say congrats because the Eagles plus two momentum has already started and it's all <laughs> heading toward that game actually being played and people going, oh shit, Russell Wilson's on the other team. What were we doing? <laughs> Why did we think Boston Scott and Greg yeah. Ward and all these dudes were going to beat Russell Wilson in a playoff game? God, we're idiots. But you're the cold weather Lamar guy. What about windy Russell Wilson? Bad weather Russell Wilson. Is it how windy is it going to be? 17 miles an hour right now is the forecast, but it could be higher. So, oh Christ. Also, the wind in the Pats game, 23 miles an hour, going to be windy there. Oh my God. Yeah. That's going to kill Brady. <laughs> Do you think it'll just top a load? Brady's bad in zero you degree wind. You can just, first you can't just cut through the wind anymore. <laughs> you think no. Nikhil no. Harry ever played 38 degree weather at Arizona State? James no, White's going to catch like 15 screen passes. <laughs> That's what you would have said last week. We threw it him three times. <laughs> I just want, I want them to use Nikhil Harry like they use Patterson. When he's on the yeah. field, he's a constant reverse mm. swing pass. Just use, use his athleticism versus just sending him downfield doing these back shoulder throws that Brady like can't really throw anymore. Or I mean, when he throws, it's like one out of every three times. Our best bit on this pod is that Craig has a, a great theory that I think is the secret to playoff football, which is we focus on where teams are from, but it's like guys who play for the Packers aren't like from Lambeau, Wisconsin. It's like, it's really about where they're from and how many jackets, how many cold weather Instagrams do they have? Jared Goff has never left the city of, or uh, the state of California <laughs> in his whole life. I believe in this. Weather. I don't think the Patriots have many guys who have jackets or like cold weather Instagrams. It's just Tom Brady. But like Isaiah Wynn, Georgia. Sonny Michelle, Georgia. Like Interesting. these guys are not. Do you think Brady's hair keeps him warm? <laughs> whatever's going on up there. I have to go. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Bill. That was, we don't even know the title of that. I don't know. Playoff, I don't know who thought of that. Fantasy. Did he find that online yeah, or did they good, make it up? I don't know, but that's, that's, that's pretty sick. It's I a like great that. league. We should all do yeah. one. Yeah. All right. Here's our, our FanDuel lineup of the week. Dika, who we got? All right. So I'm going to start off with Josh Allen, quarterback of the Bills, going up against Houston's poor defense. We, as we talked about earlier, we like his touchdown potential, his, his rushing floor. Uh, at running back, Alvin Kamara, 8,200, going up against the Vikings. We got Devin Singletary at the other running back spot against Houston. Uh, at a wide receiver one position, we got Michael Thomas, obvious choice, 8,900, going up against the Vikings' uh, rough pass defense. And we got like, DK Metcalf at our second uh, receiver spot. Um, really hoping that we don't see the wind game version of Russell Wilson in that one. And then our third receiver spot, John Brown. Uh, we got the Josh Allen, John Brown 
Singletary stack, hoping hoping the Bills' offense kind of explodes against a bad Houston defense. All right, and then we got at tight end. We got Jared Cook at home against the Vikings. We got Travis Homer on yeah. the Seahawks playing the Seahawks, Philly. The Seahawks pass catching back. He's been good actually. Yeah, he's uh, he's our little bargain play. Sixty one hundred. He's going to be our flex, and then rounding us off at defense. Good thing Bill's still not on the pod here, or maybe he would endorse this. <laughs> I actually think he would. Tennessee Titans defense playing New England. Thirty six hundred bucks. Yeah, we got windy Tom Brady. Who knows where these balls are going? My top. Who knows where his toupee is going to go? <laughs> the only thing we know where this podcast is going, which is it's over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Are we still thanking Eli Manning, or is that over? That's over. It's over? All right. Well, we can still hope Tom Brady collapses. So thank you to everyone for listening. Best of luck this weekend. We'll see you guys next week. 